If you would turn your attention to Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, as you do so, I would like to remind you and encourage you to join us tonight at 5 o'clock for the candlelight service. Uh, it's uh, about an, uh, less than an hour long gathering, but if you would join us here on this campus, 5 o'clock, a candlelight service. If you have never, ever attended one, I'm telling you, it's a beautiful family tradition to begin. Uh, and so we look forward to seeing you tonight um, and just worshiping our Savior uh, as we get ready to go into, a, a Lord willing, a new year, 2024. So amen. So I see you guys tonight. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through 12. Uh, it's been a beautiful thing. The last few weeks, we've been hanging out with some of these um, uh, gentlemen, Matthew, Luke. We, we tiptoed over into John and uh, a, a little bit and uh, for reference verses. But today, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And I'm just going to read a portion of 1 through 12 to you. And what I like to read to you is verses 9 on down. And it says... After hearing the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went on ahead of them until it came to a stop over the place where the child was to be found. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after they came into the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And after being warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. And today we're just going to talk about the journey of the wise, uh, the, the journey of the wise. For A long time, and I'm not going to go back to thousand years, ten years. Let's just talk about our own lives for a moment. For a long time, I, and you can fill in that I with your name, was searching for purpose. I fill in the blank with your name, was searching for fulfillment. I, fill in your name, was searching for who am I? I, fill in your name once more. I was searching for the person who got this all started and whom I owe honor to. Now, I know some of you saying, well, I, I haven't done that. Well, the reason why many people feel empty is because they do not understand that they were created with a purpose. The reason why some people do not feel fulfilled is because they have not found the one who is full of all goodness and all grace and of all mercy and of all love. Some people are still trying to figure out who they are because they have not figured out who God is. And once they figure out that God is the creator of all, they'll figure out that they are an awesome creation themselves. 
In other words, when you and I at least stop and pause and recognize and give God his due honor and recognize that God is like no other and the fact that he created me from nothing and not only did he rescue me from nothing, rescue me from darkness, not only saved me when I was lost in my sins, when I was so distracted and pulled away from him that in fact the Bible says that he was my enemy and he was and I was his enemies because we stood opposed positionally wise. But God loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. Oh, yeah. I, 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 listen, I, I know that sometimes we think, who are you talking about? Me? I haven't lied. I haven't stolen anything. I haven't done anyone wrong. Well, I know you lie because you're lying if you told yourself that. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Listen, I can walk you down the Romans road and you'll discover that we all have sinned. And the Bible says also in that, that, that great book of Romans that death is the wages of sin. So we all have sinned, but God sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. And we all were lost. And if you are not a child of God. In other words, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're still lost. Listen, when you and I come into this world, by default, we are sinners headed to hell. We are headed down this wide highway. And there's a whole lot of people on it. And if you want to go to hell, all you have to do is stay on the highway. Listen, now, on this highway, there are going to be many people that tell you, you can get off here. Because there's different philosophies and there's all of these religions and they tell you that you can get off here. Your works can get you off of this highway and send you to heaven. They will tell you that your connections and your affiliations and your associations, they will get you off of this highway and you can end up in heaven. But that's not true. There's only one exit ramp. There's only one way off of this highway. The Bible talks about it in the Gospel of John. Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to come to God the Father except is through me. So the only way to get off of the highway is to go through Jesus himself. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ, you're still on that highway. I know sometimes when you hear a preacher or a teacher sharing with you, they tell you that at you this on the front end so that if you want to debate it in your mind over the next few minutes, if you need to have a, a private talk with the Lord, that Lord willing, by the end of this particular message, before you walk out of here today, maybe you would surrender your life to Jesus Christ and recognize that God has already given a gift to you. But it's time for you to pick it up. Time for you to receive it. And so for years, people have been searching for Jesus. Well, when you look at this particular text, this is a journey of the wise. 
But what makes one wise? Is it because one has a lot of uh, knowledge that he or she has picked up in school? Is it because they sat around and they listened to Big Mama give some advice and they took this advice from Big Mama and they're doing it too? Is that what makes one wise? Wisdom begins with God. And it begins with the fear of God. And it also means recognizing, honoring, and worshiping God. So let's just see some things that we can glean from this particular text when it comes to those who are seeking to worship the king who is king of all. The text says there in verses one through two that now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, a Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? And the first thing we just want to cover is uh, the, the, the uh, revelation to the Magi. The revelation to the Magi. The, the Magi, oftentimes we, we were, uh, just a moment ago, we were looking uh, on the screen. Uh, the Magi, in ancient Greek, they would say Mago, Mago. We say Magi. When we think of the Magi, we generally say the three wise men. Some of us sing the three kings. Uh, well, we're going to get into actually who the Magi actually is. But notice how in the, in the beginning of this text, it says that when Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod. If you recall last week, Jesus being born there in Bethlehem, placed in the manger. We talked about what the manger actually would have been like. Uh, we talked about how the shepherds showed up. They were given notification by the angel to go and to find Jesus. And he was uh, 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 wrapped in swaddling clothing, lying in a manger, and there was worship. Worship took place. Worship took place. There in little old Bethlehem. Well, Jesus born in Bethlehem in Judea, I, I share with you, that was a very significant thing because this was a small, humble town. Uh, he was not born in Jerusalem. He was not there amongst the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, but he was born in little old Bethlehem. And you have Herod, who is the king, King Herod, also known as Herod the Great. And believe me when I tell you this, if you uh, do some research from uh, various historians, King Herod or Herod the Great was actually great at several things. He was a great politician. He was actually a great builder. He was a great administrator. He was very smart. He was very shrewd, but he was also great at being cruel. He was a cruel man, and it was uh, a technique that he used to hold on to his throne. He was smart. He was savvy. It was the reason why he was uh, favored by the Roman Empire that placed him as the king in Jerusalem. And he was shrewd to keep his seat, and he went to all lengths to maintain his seat. In fact, if there was any threat to his throne, any threat to his position, any threat to his power, he eliminated them. L let me tell you how cruel he was. He was so cruel that Augustus said, uh,
be a pig that belonged to Herod than to be one of his own children. Herod killed his wife. Home taken away. Not only did he eliminate because they were a threat to his throne. In addition to that, he even got rid of the next wife. Now, listen, that position of the be a threat to him, he would eliminate. This is important to understand what is going on in this text. King Herod was a cruel person. He eliminated various people in order to keep his throne secure. And as he grew older, because he sat on his throne from 37 to 4, uh, he grew older, he grew more passionate. Jesus was born during the late latter years of King Herod. King Herod resting here in Jerusalem, uh, in Judea, and now you have the Magi who are coming from the east to arrive there. And the Magi, we oftentimes, once again, think of three people. And uh, you can go and... Uh, Tradition has shared three different names, uh, uh, and, and I'm not going to share those names with you. I'm going to tell you why, uh, because the text doesn't tell me their names, but tradition does. It's not, the text never said three. We assume that it's three because three gifts are named, the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh, and the likelihood is that there would have been many more and they would have presented these three gifts. It could have been two to 12, and they traveled in groups. But the Magi, they were astronomers. Uh, uh, they studied the stars, astrology. And so they studied the stars. Uh, in latter years, you can also see that they looked into uh, ma magic. They were deep into magic. They were deep into the mysteries of the future. Uh, reading books that supposedly held dark secrets. And so they were into a number of things that very much not, contra listen, they contradicted the word of God because the word of God is our guide. It's, it's our beacon. It's what directs us. And so they were looking for greater insight through magic through the stars and all of these things. But let me just show you how the Lord works. This is why verses one through two is so important. One, you get to see the background of Herod, but also the fact that they were told to uh, go to the east. The Magi arrived from the east, uh, coming from the east. This is so important because they would have had to come from an area where the Jewish people had been exiled at least three or four times over the years, and when the Jewish people were exiled, they were mixed with other people. And they became actually uh, uh, like enemies of each other, which was why the Jewish people would not go through areas like Samaria, because they were mixed. They, were, they considered them a mixed breed. You're not 100% Jewish, and so people wouldn't go through that. So these were foreigners. But it's important to know that the Magi, which are going to be directed by this star, and they studied astrology. 
It's amazing how God utilized their medium to connect with them. I, I, I find that exciting because, see, in this setting right here alone, some of you receive emails about things and you never respond to it. But if someone sends you a text, you respond to it. You don't check your email, and if you check it, you don't respond to it. But you respond to the text message. I have some people sometimes say, I sent you a message. I look through my text message, I don't see it. And I, and I, and I say, I, I didn't get your message. Oh, I, I, I sent it to you over Facebook. Oh, man. I checked Facebook so, probably about once a quarter, about four times a year. I get around to you in three months. With, it's not the medium that I generally use. Well, God utilized a medium that the Magi were familiar with to direct them. They, un they understood this. And so notice he didn't do this when it came to the shepherds. That's what I'm pointing out to you. Uh, but he utilized this particular means when it came to the Magi. Uh, and so you get the appearance you, 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 uh, of the Magi. They show up there in verses 1 through 2. But notice in verses uh, 3 through 8. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. And gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For from you will come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report him to me so that I too may come and worship. Well, first of all, when you look at um, the Magi and they show up and they inquire, um, they, 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 they ask questions while they are in Jerusalem. Notice the fact that, remember, where's Jesus at? He's in, he's in Bethlehem. The Magi, they show up in Jerusalem. And God arranged for them to make a stop over in Jerusalem. It's not as if God doesn't know where Jesus is. They make a stop in Jerusalem. And you would think that when the Magi asked the question about where is this child that is to be born, who is the king of the Jews, you would think that uh, the people, the, the people and the leaders would be excited, right? You, you would think they would be excited. But uh, of course, the people and the leaders, uh, the, the leaders are not excited. Because once again, I told you about Herod, he's paranoid that anyone is a threat to him. Well, the people are paranoid also because they are afraid of Herod because they have experienced him being cruel, him going off, him, him harming, him hurting them. Uh, and listen, I told you he was a, he was a great man. He was a great engineer. He, he built some of the greatest uh, engineering uh, architectural features there in Jerusalem. In fact, there's aqueducts that are there today that are miles long and they still function. They can still function. 
Uh, listen, he even turned hills into mountains, uh, areas where it was just hills. He was able to convert them into mountains. Very, very shrewd builder. Very shrewd politician. But once again, don't forget, he's a very cruel man. The people are paranoid because any threat or any message or any communication out about a threat to Herod, it was going to cause problems for everyone. And especially that a child is being born who is king of the Jews. And think about all of the mamas, all of the people who got little kids, and they're afraid something's going to happen to them you, you, you see? So the people are troubled. The people are worked up in Jerusalem. And, and, and here's the thing. The text says in Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, it says, a star shall appear from Jacob, a scepter shall rise from Israel. In other words, the coming of Jesus Christ being born as the king of the Jews, being born as the ruler, it was already prophesied. And here it was coming true. And the leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees, especially the scribes uh, and the Pharisees, they knew the scriptures. And so when you have the, the Magi show up, and these are foreigners, and they show up and they ask questions, the Pharisees and the scribes are aware of what they are talking about. And this troubles them because they know the scriptures so well and they know the accuracy of God. That when God puts forth his word, it's going to happen. So they were afraid. This caused problems. Okay, this caused big problems. And you have uh, there in uh, Micah chapter five, verse two, it says from you. One will come forth from you, Bethlehem. One will come forth for, uh, for me to be ruler in Israel. His times of coming forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. See, when we think about Jesus being born in Bethlehem, and, and you hear me say this often, I have to keep saying it. When we think about Jesus being born in Bethlehem, that's him being introduced to humanity. Jesus has always existed. In fact, the gospel of John is so much different when it comes to the gospel of Luke and Matthew. In fact, Luke is the most ex uh, extensive when it comes to the uh, birth, the, the childhood of Jesus Christ. But John does something a little bit different. He doesn't go that route. John actually says in the beginning was the word. And the word was where? Now, now, now I, I need you to understand. Listen, I, I'm not. I'm not making it up. I, I want you to see yourself. If you don't, uh, just just turn to John, just really quick. I, I just want you to see because when you tell the story to your kids, make sure you tell them that uh, Jesus has always existed too. Now, I, I, I know they're gonna scratch their head. Don't make any sense to them, but you can explain it like this: In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. I'm just going to stop there for a moment. If you don't mind, just write this down. I want to tell you some things to write down so that when you tell the story about Jesus, I want you just to add this to it about the birth of Jesus. Write down uh, and, and you can find all of these things in verses one through two, verses one through three. I mean, uh, in John, he always existed. 
Just, just write it down. Just write it down. He, he always existed. Now, I, I, the text says that in the beginning was the word. He's, he's always existed. Uh, two, he coexisted with God. Uh, the text says that, and the word was with God. There you see where it says with God? He's, he coexisted with God. Another thing, it says, and the word was God. So write this down. He is God. So, so you can write down that he's always existed. He coexisted with God. And you can also write down that he is God. And I got one more thing for you to write down. It says, he's, he, 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 he and God always existed together God the Father God the Son and God the Holy Spirit always existed and they always existed together and as I've shared with you before neither one is 33.33% they each are 100% God basic law is that uh, listen there's only one God right God is three persons. Each person is fully God. There's only one God. There's only one God. Jesus has always existed. And when he was born in Bethlehem, it was his introduction to humanity. And that's what the book of Micah chapter 5 verse 2 is talking about, saying that he, his time of coming forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. But Herod's reaction is there in verse, verses 3 through 8. Just look at it. Uh, in, in fact, um, the text in verse 8 says, Herod said, hey, when you found, find Jesus, come and let me know. Let, let me know that I, too, can come and worship. Now, I want you to know this. The Magi, in verses 1 through 2, made their intentions known. They already said, we're looking for the king of the Jews that we may come and worship him. I got to ask you, have you ever asked yourself, how can a child be born a king? Generally, no child who becomes a king is born a king. They're born a prince and they grow into being the king. But Jesus, when he's born, he's recognized as the king already. In other words, no power is going to come to him. No authority is going to come to him because he already has all power and all authority. He's not going to grow into it. He's the king. He is the king. But listen, they're mistaken too because they keep saying king of the Jews. No, he is the king of all kings. And so the Magi say, hey, I know what your text says, because remember, they they study. They, they, they like to study the mysteries uh, uh, from the books. And so they knew what the Pharisees and the scribes knew, but they are more in alignment with the will of God than the Pharisees and the scribes who were close to him. And they said, we just want to find him so that we can worship him in verses one through two. Well, Herod says here in verse eight, well, when you find him, let me know also. So that I can come and also worship him also. But remember, there's this insecurity that Herod has of losing his reign, of losing his throne. In fact, Psalms number two says this. Why are the nations restless and the people plotting in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers conspire together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let's tear their shackles apart and throw their ropes away from us. Once again, the scripture just prophesying that 
This is not, listen, that this was going to happen. Herod, with his paranoid, uh, uh, being paranoid, his insecurity, his fear, the people worked up. And, and, and then you have him asking now, hey, when you're telling the uh, Magi, when you find him, let me know. We want to come and worship too. But watch this. In Matthew chapter 2, verses uh, 4 through 6, when they gathered all these chief priests and the scribes of the people, and he, and they, and he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born, they said in Bethlehem of Judea. Who said this? Scribes and the Pharisees. I just want to keep pointing out to you, they know the text. The reason why it's so important to know this is, it's many of us in this room, we know the text. We know the word. Uh, I'm not, listen, I'm not calling anyone out because I don't, I don't know you. But if you just stole something, you probably heard before, the, the Lord says, do not steal. Some of you maybe just recently told a lie. You know the Bible says, do not lie. But sometimes we want to act like, uh, if, I knew, no, if I knew more, I would do more. But most of us don't do what we already know. And sadly, some of us want to know more than what we already know when we're not doing with what, we, what we're supposed to be doing with what we already know. I always joke about how people say, isn't there lost books of the Bible? Isn't there some lost books of the Bible? If you have a hard time following what 66 books say, why you want to find 67? You, you and I don't need anything else, okay? They knew the text. They knew the word. So when you go back once again, one through two, what you see, just let this, some people wonder while they wonder. That's, that's what you see. The map. They, they, they wonder. They're seeking. Some people are seeking truth. Here in verses three through eight, what you see is a, a, a different type of people. Because there are some people that are looking to deny the truth, looking to resist the truth. And they know the text. They know what the Bible says. But yet and still, they don't want to comply. Herod says, I want to worship him also. Well, here we are at verses 9 through 12. 9 through 12 says, after hearing the king, they went on their way and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went on ahead of them until it came to a stop over the place where the child was to be found. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after they came into the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary. I want to pause just a second. And this is the reason why I've read verses 9 through 12. After they heard the king, they went on their way. The star, which they had seen in the east, you see it goes on ahead of them. In other words, oftentimes when you hear the story of the Magi or the wise men, we oftentimes hear about how the star directed them, but the star directed them more, gave them guidance more than once. And the star is giving them guidance again. And once again, God is using a medium that they understand. And, and it comes to a stop over the place where the child lies. But 
text does not say in the beginning that the star stopped above Jerusalem. But it says the star stopped here over the child. Now, you would think the shepherds who did not end up in a different destination after hearing from the angel about Jesus, they went to Jesus. But the Magi made a stop in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is about five to seven miles away from Bethlehem. Bethlehem lies in the south, five to seven miles away uh, from Jerusalem. And they made a stop there. And the stop was to talk to the leaders and to the kings. Now, that's much I may have said already on it, but I just wanted to point something out. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe it was an act of grace to the leaders and the kings to get on board with worshiping the true king. This should have been a time of celebration. Should have been a time where uh, the Jewish people celebrated and were excited, but yet and still the Magi made a visit to Jerusalem. You got to understand this. Do you know how insulting it would have been for many foreigners to come to the Jewish people? See, the Jews were greatly despised by people. They were despised because they were looked at as a captured race of people that ought to know their place. You ought to know your place. But they were also despised and hated because God's hand, God's favor was upon them. And they had successfully lasted. And here they come talking to the Jewish people. The Jewish people should have rightly been excited and celebrating this news and started to search for this king themselves. But notice here in verse 10 what happens. The, the star makes a stop over where the child lies. When they saw this star, they, excite, they, were, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after they came into the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And they fell down and they worshipped him. I, I, I'm going to read something back to you though. And, uh, and after they came into the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they fell down and worshiped Mary. Is that what the text says? Oh, the text doesn't say that. It's amazing how some people can still, listen, you can be so close to God and still miss it. And some people to this day, they still worship Mary. And I shared with you a few weeks ago, Mary, Mary was blessed. She was a vessel uh, that God utilized, but Mary deserves none of our worship. Uh, she, she does not deserve our praise. Our, uh, our praise and our worship is reserved for Jesus and Jesus alone. And the mad guy, listen, and, and they did what's typical when, uh, listen, uh, earlier today, uh, I was holding uh, Wyatt and then I was holding Ransom, these two little babies, they both are under one. And I tell you what, anyone that would come over, they would not, listen, they didn't see us as adults, they went straight to the child. 
And that's normal, right? But this child is no ordinary child. In this child rests all authority, all power. Listen, Mary in her arms was holding the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. When, when, when Mary looked at Jesus, she may have wondered, I wonder what the next six months are going to be like. And Jesus could look back at his mom and say, I know your very beginnings. <laughs> Jesus could look back at her and say, hey, I know your great, great grandma. Jesus says, I can trace your line all the way back to David. And all the way back to Adam. And Mary, listen, you wonder what my story would be like as your child, Jesus. You wonder what my story is going to be like. Well, I know your story because I wrote your story. I, I, I know the end of your story. But listen, Mary, Joseph, I, listen, I know you guys have not even got together yet and had relations. And I have some brothers that are going to come. And listen, they won't even believe in the beginning. But later on, one of them is going to write a book about me. His name's James. He, listen, he, he could go on and on. I know you don't know them yet, but I already know them also. I know them already. I already know about the apostle. Listen, I know about Saul. I'm going to change his name to Paul. And so, I know these things. I, Mary. I know you're wondering what the next six months are going to be like, but you're looking at a child. I was there when we hung the stars in the moon. I, I was there. And you think you're like, oh my goodness. That's who Mary was holding in her arms. When the Magi, when, the, when they came in and they went to worship him, it brings us to why the sermon is titled The Journey of the Wise. Because when they found Jesus, they came to him and they worshipped him. They fell down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, these are no ordinary gifts and you've heard about them probably on one or two occasions. But gold is a very precious metal. And it was reserved for only very important people and only very uh, uh, people who had the means uh, could could have it. But to give it away was a big deal. But they gave it to a child. Fitting for a king. The gift of gold is. Who of any king deserves to be recognized in the king? But they not only presented gifts of gold and it was, but they presented frankincense also, which is used as an incense. They would take this uh, uh, frankincense and they would use it when it came to it was used in the temple and so this was a fitting gift not for any priest but the high priest in fact 
because of Jesus Christ being the priest, I do not have to stop and visit to talk to someone, to talk on my behalf to God the Father. I can go straight to the high priest hand of God the Father. You know what? I need to talk to someone, to talk to God. Do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's a good thing to do. Find you a Christian brother, Christian sister, and ask them to intercede on your behalf. In other words, to stand the Lord on your behalf. And now that brother and that sister, what they're going to tell you is that God wants to hear from you also. And what he wants to hear from you is I surrender. I surrender all. Because you too can have your own privilege of praying directly to him as opposed to going to someone who has a relationship with him because the Bible says this about those who are in a relationship with God the Father. The Bible says that the prayers of the righteous are always heard. They are never forsaken. Never. And so I know when I pray, I know God hears from me. If there's any communication flaw, it's me not listening. But for the unsaved, God wants to hear, I surrender. I surrender. Frankincense. Who is the priest? Only presented with gold. He's not only presented with myrrh. Myrrh, uh, if, if uh, for those of you may not know, we have a uh, 10 a.m. class on Wednesdays. Uh, we're going through the book of Revelation. Uh, myrrh was a extremely popular, popular and uh, common in, at the church of Smyrna. And that's, in fact, that's where myrrh comes out of the name Smyrna. And myrrh was a very bitter bitter plant but here's the thing you have to break it crush it to get the sweetness out of it but on its own it's just bitter well it was presented to Jesus because it foretold the suffering that he would have to go through by dying on the cross for your and my sin now notice what I said I said your and my sin not none of us are exempted from this. He died on the cross for your and my sins in our place. And it spoke of the crucifixion, the, the torture and the pain, the crucifixion. Myrrh was utilized once a person died, they would take the myrrh and they would put that ointment all on the deceased person's body. the body but the myrrh helped with the stench the myrrh the sweetness of it and nullify the stench and so isn't that a unique gift to give to a baby that was just born 
In other words, God brought him in the door already looking out the window. His life, based upon what we deem a length of a life, was short. But his life was full. See, life is not measured by its quantity. Life is measured by its quality. And Jesus fulfilled all of the agenda that God the Father had set for him. And his closing argument, his closing argument was when they put him in a grave after crucifying him. And they thought the case was closed. They thought that they had uh, eradicated the problem that was unsettling the people. And they put him in a tomb, a borrowed tomb. And they thought, case closed. No more Jesus. He's dead. He's gone. But on the third day, he got up. But let me tell you this, he never really laid down <laughs> because during the three days he was busy <laughs> setting the captives free. And so on the third day, <laughs> and he started giving evidence and giving proof, not only to his disciples, but to many, many more. He even said, touch me on many occasions. L let me tell you this, he had the last word. That was his closing argument. His closing argument was this. No grave can keep me down. I may have been born to die. But it was to die for your sin. But you didn't bury me. You didn't, listen, you didn't destroy me. Because can't no man keep the son of God down. No man has authority over the king to keep the king down and so when the king got up from the grave my friends I just want you to know this Christmas him getting up from that grave the closing argument is this because Jesus Christ got up from the grave proving that he has all power all authority all might and a reason for people to fear who are not in proper alignment with him because of that because he got up it's the reason why you can get up it's the reason why you can get it. Any person in here that's already a child of God, the reason why you live is because he lives. But those of you who do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, just look at me. Seriously, look at me. Just You can live. You can live. And I'm, I'm, I, listen, you can live the purpose that God has set for you. You can live fulfilled. If you're unsaved, you've probably been looking for fulfillment in money, in a career, persons that you date, your spouse, your vehicles, things that you accumulate, education, but you'll never find fulfillment until you surrender to Jesus. He's the King of Kings. And listen, today you can demonstrate that God has given you wisdom by surrendering to him just as the wise men did. And you and I, like, listen, we can join amongst the wise. Would you please stand?
I'm, I'm going to pray. I have, it's going to be one or two prayer warriors here. And even if this service, this gathering, if it, if it concludes with you still standing here at the altar, amen. But I just want to open this up to you. This altar is open for you to come and pray. And maybe you already know Jesus Christ, but you recognize that you have not been surrendering of late or there's areas in your life that you need to surrender. Come, come to him and say, Lord, forgive me. Give me strength to follow you. Give me strength to obey. Give me strength, Lord. And give me wisdom, Lord, to recognize when I'm following my own lead and not yours. If you're unsaved and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you do not have to feel bad about coming down, wondering if what someone's going to say, how someone's looking at you. Uh, listen, we all been down that road before. Uh, any person that has, has accepted Jesus Christ has been down that road before. And we actually, we actually celebrate when people come to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. There's nothing to be ashamed of. And I'm telling you, if you're not ashamed, listen, I promise you, Jesus will show out in your life. If you're proud of the fact that you, listen, I'm, I'm telling you, just, so just proudly come down and accept Christ as your Savior. So on my left, on my right, prayer warriors. And so would you simply as this, I'm gonna pray and you just come. Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, I just pray right now, dear Lord, that if there's anyone here today that has not accepted Jesus Christ as their savior. I pray that today they will put all of their faith in Jesus Christ, believing in him, trusting in him, his person and his works, what he has done for them. And I pray dear Lord, that they would accept him not only as their savior, but that they will live their life communicating that he is also Lord of their life. So Lord, we pray, Father, for that person, those persons that would come down today to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Lord, we also pray, Father, for those who already have a relationship with you. But Father, they need to be encouraged. They need to be strengthened. And Father, they're seeking, dear Lord, to be restored. Uh, maybe, Father, they're seeking, dear Lord, wisdom so that they can carry out their functions in life in a way that honors and that pleases you, Lord. So Lord, would you guide them? to this altar to stand or to kneel. Lord, we ask that you would just move these individuals, move in their hearts and cause them, dear Lord, to respond to your love, your mercy and your care. It's in Christ Jesus' name we pray, amen.